Blog Talk Radio. Sylvia, host of Sylvia Global, and I'm so excited. We're we are in Nevada today with our trusted entertainment host, Cindy Perlman. Cindy, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Gail. Thank you so much for having me on the show again. Oh, I just love being with you, Cindy. Anytime I get spent with you, especially introducing our audience to um, you know just some insightful experiences that you have and insights that you learn from life that help to promote the good that's around us, I think is always valuable. You know, what are you, what ta- what are you talking to us about today? You know, Gail, first of all, I love being with you too, and, and anything you do, I absolutely adore. So this is great that we yes. can talk again. Thank you, and, Cindy. And today, you know, I know there's so many exciting fall movies to talk about that are inspiring, and I'd be thrilled to talk about that. But first, I I just wanted to tell listeners the most amazing story that will really uplift them today, especially if you've ever, and I know you've gone through it, Gail, I've gone through it, if you've ever gone through medical, just sad medical times with family members that are beloved, I have a story that will just blow your socks off where it, it turns out that there is hope if you really pray and have faith and really just will absolutely not take no for an answer. Tell us, tell us what you're referring to, Cindy. Well, it's it's amazing. My brother's father-in-law. I know this always sounds hard when you, it's my brother's father-in-law. He's 74 years old. 
very physically fit guy, active, plays golf all the time. But he was feeling when he walked up the stairs, feeling a little bit like he couldn't catch his breath, feeling winded and a little bit tired. So he went to the doctor, and the doctor did a bunch of tests and said, you know, we hate to tell you this, but we think two of your arteries are blocked in your heart, and you really need to come in for open-heart surgery before you just collapse and have a massive heart attack one day. So, of course, they went to a great hospital in the Midwest, one of the best, and I don't want to say who just in case there becomes other repercussions here. Went to a great hospital, though. They did open-heart surgery. Everything came out great. He was in ICU, and the great news was that he only had one blocked uh, tube, not two. So he was in the ICU, and, and I guess it's customary during a heart surgery to put a tube in through your heart. And I'm not exactly sure medically what the procedure is, but they do have a tube in your heart during that kind of surgery. And during the ICU time, they just slide it right out, no problem. Well, when they went to slide his tube out, it would not come out. And they tried and tried, and they did a quick x-ray, and by accident, the surgeon stitched the tube to his heart, which just a horrific mistake. Oh, no. And I mean, just to, oh. and, and we're talking a top surgeon, but he, you know, everyone has a bad day, an off day. He stitched the tube. So here's the 74-year-old man who gets rushed back into his second open heart surgery of the day. They go, he goes through this hours later. The poor family is waiting and waiting. He's back in the ICU. They take the tube out, but he's much, much weaker this time because it's a second surgery, a second time going under, and age is not on his side here. So in the middle of the night, they call the family in, and they say, we're so sorry to tell you that your father and husband, he's had a series of strokes. And, of course, everyone is like, it's not our fault. He might have had the strokes anyways, which, you know, whatever conclusion you want to draw. But he had a a cluster of strokes. And it did not look good. They brought him out of all of the meds. He was unresponsive, not speaking, not moving, not noticing anyone. And that was the first 24 hours. And the family was like, we just can't even believe this has happened. And second day, they brought him out of the meds again because they had him pretty much sedated. But they brought him out, same thing. Didn't move a muscle, didn't speak, nothing. Didn't even lock eyes with anybody They said, squeeze our hand, nothing. Day three, the family was exhausted. They all went home to get a few hours of sleep. Day three, they brought him out again, and he spoke. He knew them. He moved everything, every muscle in his body. Five days later, he was home walking, and the only lingering thing from this whole nightmare is a slight speech issue that they're going to work on with a therapist. But, Gail, oh, my God, all in all, I mean, the speech problem, he'll he'll be fine eventually. And he has all of his motor skills, everything. I mean, really, we we never hear these miracle stories. And and for everyone who's going through some medical problem with anyone, it's just good to know that they exist. Because I know when those times seem bleak, you just lose, lose all hope. Well, how timely, Cindy, that you would share that um, story this morning. Before coming on the air, I was doing my morning pages, which is a practice I've been doing for 
um, off and on for probably 20 years. And it's it's something that actually I learned through Julia Cameron, who was also a guest on Sylvia Global. And she talked about the power of morning pages. And it, it's, for me, it's the equivalent of my quiet time. It's my Bible study time. It's my, you know, getting grounded in the day before, um, you know, going out into the world to, to do whatever I'm called to do and to face whatever gets, you know, comes my way. And as you're aware, you know, I myself am in the midst of um, recovering from some major heart um, issues that caught me off guard, very similar symptoms, different diagnosis. And in the morning pages in my journal this today, this morning, um, you know, I was writing about the, the, the power of hope. You know, and even in our weakest moments, you know, my weakest moments when I feel so discouraged to see where I am physically um, today compared to where I know I should be and will be again, um, but you just get kind of hopeless um, and weak and feeling, you, you don't always feel strong in a place of hope because there are times of discouragement and setbacks. And so, and then you and I both lost our fathers within the past year. And you within, a, you know, actually not even a year. For both of us, it's only been, you know, past few months. Right. And so to hear your, you share this is so timely. And I really hope that it will encourage and be a blessing to other people so that we don't give up hope. You know, um, it's important. It, it's really powerful to me, Cindy, how significant a word such as hope is in our being able to turn a dream into a reality. You know, a, a wish is kind of fleeting and not necessarily grounded in a true sense of belief. It's just kind of, you know, I wish upon a star that something nice would happen. But exactly. Seems, yeah, but hope seems to connect us to our creator, you know, the creator of the whole universe. You know the 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 person you know responsible for our being and our existence and all of the beauty that's around us, along with you know all of the things that um, discourage us and that are not so pleasant. You know there is something about being able to know that we're holding on to the hand of God, you know, through it all that will bring us through. And when we don't have a sense of hope or we've lost all hope, um, you know, stories like this are a way of reminding us not to give up. And, and I think I, about patience, too, Gail. Don't you find, I mean, this was a long, I mean, three days isn't a lifetime, but it's so easy to give up in that first day, even sitting in Nevada, because this was all going on in Chicago, I was like very pessimistic. I thought, oh no, here we go again. Oh, I feel so terrible for them. And the first day, it didn't even dawn on me almost to have hope. It was, oh, you just go to that place of, it, oh, it's doom and gloom and there's nothing we can do. But, and by the second day, I was just so depressed. I thought, oh, this is, he's just, this is horrible. This is a life sentence. You, even if he makes it, I mean, I went to all the ugly dark places and, why do we just not have that hope that maybe this will turn out absolutely okay? Mm. Why do we give up and assume the worst so easily? We just mm. get, and I, I, I'm guilty of it too because I've been through it with a lot of, I'm almost 50 and all my friends are going through parents' things right now. 
And it's just, I mean, this story inspired me so much because here was a case where this guy had all the odds against him. I mean, he didn't have one stroke. He had about six or seven of them, of them mm. in one night. And and here is somebody who just, you know, he needed a few days to recover. And I think we're just so quick to, to lose that hope where sometimes we, we're not a patient society anymore. We really have to hang on to our patients sometimes too. You know what I also find myself doing, and I, I, I've noticed it in society as well, we want someone that we can blame. You know, we want someone that we can um, hold responsible for our disappointment. And, you know, and I think, and we also, there are times when we want an explanation that makes sense to us. And it's funny, It's, it's this happens to me every day. You know, I randomly open my Bible today, and the first verse that jumps out, you know, at me is, lean not on your own understanding, you know, and a mm-hmm. reminder to me that, and, and I wrote this in my journal this morning, you know, don't be, I, I have to be all right and accept that I can't always understand. You know, I, I can't always have an understanding to the question of why. You know, in that in that leaning not on my understanding, but in all my ways to acknowledge and to trust God, that there is a way for me to stay from to turn from those dark places of disappointment and anticipation, and to kind of face the sunlight. You know, and we know, you know, for Christians, uh, you know, the power of the th- of three days and resurrection is significant. And so I right. found that you know intriguing that. You know, on the third day, he basically came back to life. You know, it, he started showing signs of life again. And on it, the fifth isn't it day, amazing? it really is amazing, and not to be taken for granted or scoffed at because it is a reality. It is a truth, and I think that when I hear you, when I'm hearing you share this story, combined with the the Word of God reminding us to, you know, we don't always understand, but don't give up hope. You know, don't give up our faith in good outcomes. And even in with my dad's passing, and my dad was um, 78, you know, um, it, like, you know, I think like, if, you know, first we're really hoping that he's going to be fine. He's going to pull through this. We're expecting the best. And then when we get a word of kind of doom and gloom that it may not happen, then the next question was very similar to what you had shared, Cindy, in that experience. And that was, well, who's responsible for this? Because he was fine before. You know, he didn't, right, really, right. He didn't do anything to make this happen. And then our mind kind of turned to the direction of, you know, well, let's just get him well. You know, we won't, instead of, we'll come back if we need to and look at responsibility. But right now, let's all focus on getting him well. And then, uh, you know, a point of just, you know, for me it was in the middle of the morning, you know, those dark despairs of, you know, wow, this this may be it. You know, I wasn't expecting or wanting to lose my dad, you know, under these circumstances at this time. Life seemed to be moving along quite normally, you know, and now it's interrupted by the prospect of death. And then he did show signs of improvement and then um, improvement and then rapid decline. And then in his case, at some point, you know, he acknowledged, and it was actually on Christ- the day after Christmas, 
he said the words enough, you know, enough. And he was also letting us know that he his life had been filled with enough goodness and that he was okay. And that gave us a, took us from a place of fear of darkness to a place of um, acceptance and the beauty of what that transition, you know, would be like, which I had never experienced before um, so closely, you know, so intimately. So uh, how is your father, your brother's father-in-law today? You know, he's home, Gil, which is amazing. He's home. He's working with a speech therapist. But, you know, really the amazing part is he's walking. At one point during day two, they said, oh, it looks like his whole left side will be completely paralyzed. Nope. Day three, his left side was moving. So really the only lingering thing is a slight speech problem, which of all the things that could have happened with that, that, that's something they they can deal with. And and it's funny, though. I mean, when he came out of it on day three, the family, of course, was absolutely grateful. But all the friends and everybody lingering around immediately jumped to, well, you're going to sue the hospital. You know, they did this. Are you going to sue? It became like two seconds of gratitude, then, oh, let's get to the lawsuit, which that's another thing. I think people should take a deep breath and be grateful for five minutes. And before you go on to the next thing, just, you know, let's maybe slow down and... and experience that this really was a miracle. Well, that's really um, valuable words that you just spoke, Cindy, Cindy uh, that here in the midst of a, a an answered prayer, a clearly answered prayer, uh, a miraculous um, recovery, you know, followed by a tragic, you know, uh, what appeared to be a tragic outcome from a, an very quote unquote common procedure, but how quickly we forget to stay in a place of gratitude and the power that comes with that. I, I think that the nurturing of that place, that moment of gratitude, is also what fills our spirits with hope and um, serves as future nourishment when we encounter, you know, those occasions where, uh oh, we might get discouraged again, but we can remember with such tremendous gratitude, the joy and the exhilaration and of that answered prayer and that miraculous recovery. And if we leave that place of gratitude too quickly um, and we don't take it with us into the future, then, I, you know, are we not contributing to our own future um, dismay? You know, <laughs> does that make sense? So true, and I and I love that. This sort of came full circle for me as an entertainment reporter. Yesterday I talked to the amazing Albert Brooks. Now, Albert Brooks, if everyone remembers, he played the dark-haired, curly-haired anchor guy on the movie Broadcast News. He's the one who starts sweating profusely when he has to anchor the news. And <laughs> yes. Albert, Albert Brooks is one of the voices in Finding Nemo. He plays Little Fish Nemo's dad. Okay. And He's, he's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. Funny guy, very renowned comedian. He's in his somewhere in his fifties, mm-hmm. and I I asked him yesterday what he knows now about life that he didn't know when he was a younger man. He had the greatest answer. He said that when he was a young man, eighteen, twenty, twenty-five, he would 
start each year going, wow, I hope this is going to be a great year. This has to be a great year for me. And he said now that he's older, he looks at the day and he goes, I hope this is just going to be a great Wednesday for me, which I thought mm-hmm. was so profound. I thought that mm-hmm. was almost full circle that mm-hmm. that when my brother gave me that news that his father-in-law was going to be okay, wow, that was a great Monday. And that's a, that's enough sometimes. That was that was a great Monday and and what Albert Brooks said yesterday, I just thought, you know what? It's it's you know, it's Wednesday today that we're talking. It, it's going to be a great Wednesday and that's that's in our power to make it a great day, which I think is very profound, too. So we can take it to, this is going to be a great hour. You know, this is going to be a great minute. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, right. this is going to be a great time just talking with Cindy right here where I am right now. You know, this is this is going to be, that's how we create these places of hopefulness and that lead to joy, which give us peace which give us the the ability to be strong in, you know, tough circumstances. And it all seems to begin from a place of gratitude. All from a place of gratitude. And and it's funny, there's a woman I did a story on, and, and I don't know how woo-woo people want to be about certain things, but she's an energy reader. And she's someone who helps people a very low energy. And I did an article on her. And she's very very certain that she said that in her belief that if you don't project gratitude that whatever you believe forces God, the universe, whatever it is, doesn't really think you deserve more if you don't take a minute to have gratitude for what you have now. Mm -hmm. I thought that was sort of beautiful too. She said most of us just race on to that. Okay, I got that. I'm going to move to the next thing. But you have to stop and take a moment. And that's what you were sharing happened in the hospital room, that you were hoping people would just take a, an extended moment to express joy and gratitude around this, you know, this wonderful restoration of his life. And just recognize even, I'm particularly, I'm not particularly very close to him, but I am close to my brother and his wife. And, and it's just to me, even being a very much an outsider in this story, it made me feel just very joyous about life to see, look, oh, so many people lose that medical fight. Here's somebody who won, and I, I just thought this is this is something we should all celebrate. So, how would we capture this, Cindy, in enough words to put it on Twitter? I know. Don't you love tweeting? I'm I'm on Twitter. If you guys want to ever Twitter me, I have to say, as a funny aside, Gordon Ramsay, the chef, is, he is following me on Twitter. You guys, it's so exciting. Because I'm someone who burns water, so <laughs> I mean, last night I tried to make little potatoes in a pot, and I don't know what I did, but suddenly potatoes were running all over the stove, like like escaping or something from the torturous <laughs> cooking I was doing to them. I mean, I have a ten year old in our house; she cooks much better than I do. Oh, that's oh. Funny. well. Let's put let's send this out on Twitter and have our listeners at Sylvia Global follow us. Um, on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Cindy, they can follow you as well and hear more of your your insights here on Sylvia Global. What were you going to say? No, they can follow me. And if, if my other in my other life, I write a beauty and style column on stylegoesstrong.com. So if they have any style and beauty questions, we can definitely do a very lighthearted show someday and talk about all kind of Hollywood beauty secrets. 
but uh, but yeah, I'm on I'm on Twitter just under Cindy Perlman. Thanks so much, Cindy. Um, you just actually gave us one of the best tips that we can all use to um, address our style and beauty secrets, and that's come from a place of gratitude day by day. Absolutely, make it just a good day. That's all you need. Thanks, Cindy. We'll talk to you soon. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye bye.